0: We're going to kick off this series called Bible Blockbuster, and each week you're going to hear a story about people who were invited by God and responded yes to that invitation to play a part in his story. And today I'm going to cover someone that you may not have heard of, but I believe that God used his story and his life to reveal a key part that we all have in common, and I believe it's the very thing we were created to do and be. And it's also been the thing that I have struggled the most with God. But before we do that, let's talk to this incredible God and ask him to speak now and reveal his story to us and his incredible invitation. Let's pray. God, the best part about this series is that you don't really need me to be up here. Because what this whole thing is about is that you, God, are writing this story of how you're going to bring your people back to yourself. And it's crazy, God, that we get to be a part of that. And that moment is starting right here and right now. So I pray that in the next few moments that the words that come out of my mouth are not mine, but they are just yours. They're words that you have been speaking since the beginning of time to your people throughout the world. So may me and the people in this room just come right now and sit with open hearts and open ears and an open mind willing to listen to what you have to say. Because I believe, God, the words that you will say to us this morning have the power to change lives, change the course of where we're headed, to heal hearts and to completely start to radically change Cedar Falls and the world around us. So this talk is yours, it's not mine. Thank you for speaking through me already. I love you and Jesus may pray. Amen. Alright, you, okay, we have some kids in the room, so I want you to imagine this with me, okay? We're at a bonfire. And there's people of different ages sitting around it, all men. The day is coming to an end, so the sun is setting and night is taking over. And the stars are twinkling in the sky, and the fire is keeping them warm. Now this was quite a long time ago, so I doubt they had s'mores, but Just as fire draws us together now, it was drawing them together. You can hear the crackling of the fire and the voices of conversation circling around it. But all of a sudden, a hush falls over the group as the elderly man slowly walks to the fire and sits down. All eyes are on him. They're waiting. They're waiting to hear the story. They've heard it before, but there's something about hearing this story from the very person that was there that gives them chills up their spines and makes them sit up and pay attention. A young boy is also there, and he sits next to his dad, and he leans in to hear the story, the story that has captured his heart. The elderly man begins. He describes becoming fully alive when the creator who had just got done making the universe and the world we live in now breathed life into his nostrils and he became a living being. He describes how the creator placed him in a garden that provided everything he needed, food, a home, and work for him to do. The creator told him that it was not good for man to be alone. And so pointing to his rib, the man talks about how God formed women from the very bone that protected his heart. And this woman became his wife and his partner. The elderly man relives the walks that they would both take with the creator. And the conversations between him and his wife and what they would talk about and share. He talked about the joy that it would bring, about talking to the one that knew them, formed them, sustained them, and was with them every day. And then the story paused as the elderly man's face got sad and twisted up. And he slowly started to talk again. He talked about the day it all changed. The man doesn't really make excuses anymore. He just states what happens next with deep regret. You see he explains that man and women had forgotten their purpose And so instead of being content with being with god They decided that they'd rather be like god and they disobeyed the one thing he told them not to do A tear falls down the elderly man's face as he describes what happens next They had a conversation with the creator and he describes the pain in the creator's voice and the agony that entered the world The Creator told them that because of their actions, they could no longer live in the garden, and they had to leave their place and find a new place to live. But the Creator's love for them didn't stop because they disobeyed. Like a good father, the Creator was. He gave the man and his wife clothes and promised that he would make things right. The elderly man pauses, and he looks up into the faces of the six generations that circle the fire. And he told them to not forget that the creator was still with them. He had not forgotten them. And he still deeply cared for them. The young boy who sat next to his dad held on to the man's words. But it wasn't until his first son was born that he began to grasp who this creator was and what he wanted the creator for him to do. And his choice to do just that would change his life forever. And this young man's name was Enoch. We find his story tucked in the genealogy between Adam to Noah and Genesis 5. So if you have a Bible with you or a card copy or digital, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 18. Now his story is not very long. But I believe it has huge implications for our life today and for the days to come. And this is what his story says. When Jared had lived 162 years old, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived a total of 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch walked 365 years. He walked, Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then was no more because God took him away. Right? How crazy is that? Like, okay, I've always wondered like how this all went down. So I, I picture like it's morning and like Enoch gets out of his tent and he's like stretching. The sun is rising and he's and God is like, "Sup, Enoch? What are you doing today?" That's how I think God talks sometimes to me. And then Enoch goes, Oh, you know, I'm just going to feed the sheep, maybe plant some wheat, like the huge, to which God would reply, I just want to come up and chill with me in heaven instead. And then Enoch's like, All right, but let me write a note first. And he scribbles in the dirt, like, Gone to heaven, Enoch. Oh, did you picture it differently than that one? That one? Okay. Well, that's how I pictured it went down. Um, sadly, the Bible does not give us any more details than just that right there. But I think... We can all agree that that would have been an incredible thing to not only witness, but to experience. I mean, can you imagine walking so closely with God that one day God would rather have you with him in heaven than you on earth? And so he just takes you to be with him forever. What does that even look like? I want that. I want to walk so closely with God that I would rather be with God in heaven than be here on earth But I think before that can happen. I have to answer this question What does it mean to walk with God? Well, how would Enoch have done it and I think we have to ponder this because he didn't have a Bible He didn't have a church service. Jesus hadn't come yet. Amazing Grace hadn't been written. There was no Beth Moore devotionals. No Jesus Calling devotionals. Chris Tomlin didn't have a worship set. Lecrae hadn't been in concert. We read that he doesn't have the Holy Spirit yet inside of him. God's not dead and courageous have not even hit the box office yet. And to my understanding, Dave Bartlett had not uttered a message yet at all. So I don't know how did he do it. And something that I've been discovering about my own view of Christianity is that I tend to make it a lot harder than it really is. See, I believe one way Enoch walked with God was just by being with him. I remember this one time, I was driving in my hometown area and I was a youth leader at the time and I don't quite remember what I was doing or talking about but I was talking out loud to to God in my car. And I'm turning on this curve, and all of a sudden, I just hear God say to me, Kelly, I made you to be a human being and not a human doing. And I froze. Because I cannot sit with that idea. I am a doer. I'm from a family of doers. Doing is what we do best. Best. And I couldn't understand that god wasn't asking me to do anything. But in fact, he was asking me to do nothing With him And I realized not only did I not quite know how to do that, but I fought against that I couldn't just sit and do nothing with god. That wasn't productive How would that help anything? You see I had forgotten That God had this crazy notion in Genesis 1 and he said it to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and he said, let us make mankind in our image with this ability to be in a relationship with us just as we are in a relationship with each other. Remember that story I told about the elderly man? Well, he also had a name and his name was Adam. God totally agrees. He's putting the letter down to say he agrees with me. His name was Adam. And God did not form him like other creatures that he spoke into existence. God breathed life into him and he became a living being. Let me say that again. He became a living being. He put in us a spirit that has this ability to communicate with the one who put it there. We were made different than other creatures. God gave us an ability to be in a relationship with him. And he called us living beings. And something that is key to any relationship you will ever be in is the ability to just be with that person. And for me, that is easier said than done. God was telling me, Kelly, you keep doing things for me, and I just want you to be with me. Then out of that, we can do things together. But first and foremost, be with me. Well, what does being with God look like? I think we have to go back to Enoch again. Because I believed for so long that being with God means that I needed to be doing something. But we have to remember that Enoch didn't have a Bible telling him God's word. He didn't go to five small groups and seven Bible studies, although I'm sure he was in community with other people and, God, and they taught him things about God. He didn't plan a church. He didn't serve six out of the seven nights to the needy, although I'm sure he helped others out. He didn't do the typical Christian things to get close to God. In fact, he did exactly what we were created to do. He just hung out with God. And I'm sure at times that included doing nothing. But for me, I had come to believe that me being with God needed to be a specific task, like praying for a specific amount of time about specific things, or I needed to read a certain amount in my Bible every day. And the whole time I'm struggling to do the right thing to be with God, God was whispering to me, Kelly, you're missing it. I was in Jamaica this past March for a college spring break mission trip, and we were having our quiet time. So quiet time is when we'd go off by ourselves and we'd be with God. And typically this time includes reading the Bible, possibly a devotion book, writing your journals, um, your thoughts and your prayers. So I'd gotten my journal out and my Bible to do my usual quiet time. But I kept feeling this nudge from God to don't write and to not read. And I felt like I didn't have peace about it. And I kept fighting it because I had to. I had to write and I had to read. Otherwise it wasn't quiet time with God. But I felt God was just saying, Kelly, I don't judge your quiet time. If you just sat here and did nothing, it would be just as productive as if you read and if you wrote. Just hang out with me. Do you see a pattern I struggle with? And so I did. And it was hard. I had to fight against the things that I had believed were true about what would make a good quiet time or what I thought being with God had to look like. I was reading about God and I was writing to God, but had forgotten the being I was reading and writing, was right there with me, ready to engage with me and be with me. But before I gave him time to respond or to soak in his presence, I was up and off doing the next thing. I had forgotten that I had been pausing my life to be with him. And what I was using was supposed to be tools to be with Christ. And I had turned them into things I needed to do to be a good Christian. See, I believe that being with God was Enoch's main focus every single day. So you know what I think he did? I think he physically walked with God. I think he physically talked with God, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. And because of that, Enoch grew aware of God's presence. Because it's not like God's not there. He always is. Enoch just took time to sit in it. He took the time to notice it all around him. And day after day of walking and talking and sitting and noticing, Enoch became so intimate with God that God decided he no longer wanted Enoch to be on earth, but rather wanted him to be with him in heaven. And so God took him. And here's the craziest thing, is that our walk with God can be more intimate than Enoch's. And I know that sounds insane, right? Because God took him. Like, how much more closely can we walk with God than Enoch, who got taken by God? Well, we have something, better yet someone, that he didn't. And his name was Jesus. Remember how God told Adam and Eve they had to leave the garden? Well, that is because when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, this, we call it sin, this act of disobedience to God, sin came into this world. And this act of sin had a consequence. Not only did Adam and Eve have to leave the garden, but now they faced something they weren't going to before, death and then separation from their creator forever. But God had promised to fix this brokenness. And he did that through sending his son, Jesus, to earth. Jesus lived a perfect, obedient life to God. And because of that, didn't deserve to die And because of the love of God, though, he had for us, even though Jesus didn't deserve to die, Jesus took our sin and our death and our separation, and then the best thing happened. After it was paid for, God raised him from the dead, telling the world that sin and death are defeated forever. And if anyone would believe in Jesus' perfect life and death and resurrection, would have faith that Jesus saved them from their sins And trust that Jesus now leads their life. that Their future no longer has sin or death in it, but instead a new life with God now and forevermore. A new life that allows us to talk to this God whenever we want without fear of shame or punishment, knowing that God sees us clothed in Jesus' perfection. A new life with the same spirit that lived in Jesus when he was on this earth. I mean, how much closer can we be to the presence of God than His Spirit living in us? We have direct access to God Himself and through Jesus, nothing stands in our way and all that God asks for us in return is that we would be with Him. I mean, how do you say no to that? How can we not be like Enoch and have that be our biggest focus each day? I believe another way that Enoch walked with God was by doing things with him. I think Enoch didn't compartmentalize God in his life, but instead included God in everything he did. So when Enoch was tending his livestock, he was doing it with God. When Enoch was talking to his wife or teaching his children things, he was doing it with God. When he was with his friends and his relatives playing games, he was doing it with God. And when he faced a problem and was looking for answers, he was doing it with God. Nothing was done apart from God, and everything he did stemmed from his walk with God. And because walking with God looks like being with him, being aware of his presence, and talking with him, and doing everything with him, it sounds pretty simple. Talk, walk with God. Talk, walk with God. Repeat. Repeat. But if this is the reason why we're created, I want to ask us the next question. What keeps me then from walking with God daily? Well, how long do you got? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I only have 25 minutes. So I'll give you the highlights. All right. So one of the reasons why I struggle to walk with God daily is that sometimes I get distracted and desensitized to the presence of God. John Piper said, We know what makes us vitally sensitive to God's appearance in the world and in the word And we know what dulls us and blinds us and makes us not even want to seek him These things we must move away from and go around if we would see God This is what seeking God involves I don't know if you know this but there's always something to do and something to watch And after you get done doing that thing or watching that there's also something else to do and something else to watch The apps on my phone alone could distract me for hours. And my brain sometimes feels like a smartphone with the ability to switch from this to that in less than a second. Through screens, especially TV, I become desensitized to the world around me, especially God's presence. In fact, I gave up TV when I started to focus on this talk. I thought I actually should do what I'm going to talk about. And almost, it's really sad to be honest, about how much more I am aware of God's presence and how much more I talk to him without it. Another thing that distracts and desensitizes me is my busy schedule, which is really just an insane excuse if you think about who you're too busy for. You see, the craziest thing is that I may sometimes be too busy for God, but the God who runs the entire universe is never too busy for me. So what distracts or desensitizes you from your walk with God? I would encourage you to write it down, your reasons in the handouts that you've got on your way in. It could be that you say yes to other people before you say yes to God. Maybe you have a very long to-do list that you have to get to first before you hang out with God. Maybe you think you have to do things on your own. Maybe you've tried it once and nothing's happened, so you struggle to try it again. And some for you, you just never decided if you wanted to walk with God at all yet. And for that, I would encourage you to keep digging into that decision and let us know how we can help you and be praying for you. Another reason why I don't walk with God is I forget about who God is and what he has done. So for you today, this morning, whether you forget like me or you just haven't quite discovered who this God is yet, let me take the time to share with you. See, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was. It was God who created the stars and he knows them by name. It was God who feeds the birds and dresses the lilies in the field. This God heals the blind, the mute, the mute, the lame, and the sick. This God commands the dead to come to life, and they do. This God just has to walk onto a boat, and the water and the waves, they calm down. It was God who formed you and me and our mother's womb. It was this God who sent his son to save you and me. The God who is with you on your lowest days and your mountain moments the god who comforts you when you cry and cheers you on when you don't think you can do it the god who whispers to you daily i love you and the god who was on mission to redeem and renew this whole world this is the god that wants to be with you and this is the god that wants to be with me and what he wants is for us to do that daily I was taking a walk on the sweet trails here at Cedar Falls. And I stopped as a bird um, flew right in front of me and stopped on this branch. And the passage from Matthew 10 came to mind. Jesus was talking and he said, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I thought to myself God, you know every single bird that is flying right now and you know their needs and you meet them Yet you say I am worth more than they are How big you are How personal you are How can I not trust the God who takes care of all the animals yet? He says he cares for me more And in that moment that i'm staring at God about who he is and what he has done I can easily walk with him. It's the moments that I forget that I struggle the most. So I think we can agree that you struggle and I struggle, that there's things that distract and desensitize us. But every day, God is wanting us to move closer and closer to walking with him just like Enoch did. Which leads me with my last question. Are you walking with God daily? Now, this isn't a guilt trip. Okay, I don't want anybody leaving this morning feeling that they're this terrible person if they answer that question, no, or just sometimes. Instead, I want you to hear this redemptive invitation we get from the maker himself that is more fulfilling and life-giving than anything else we could ever do or not do because it's what we were truly made to do and be. Because regardless of what we do and we don't do, God is still with us and God still loves us and God still wants to be with us. I think that's what Enoch remembered on the days that it was not easy to walk with God. So you may be wondering, how do I start to walk with God? Well, you came this morning. That's a really great first step. Come back. But I'd also say the first question you also have to ask is, do I want to walk with God? As we saw this morning, he clearly wants to walk with you. He's gone to great lengths to ensure that that's possible. And he always asking is you to simply put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and start to walk. If you answered yes to that question, I would ask you, is there something that distracts or desensitizes you from walking with God that you need to get rid of or move away from? And my last question for you this morning is, what is one thing you can start to do to walk more closely with God starting today and the days to come? And I really encourage you to write that down on your handout and stick that somewhere that you see every single day. Maybe it's sitting with him and doing nothing. We can start a club. Maybe it's getting a devotion book and digging into God's word and starting to know the God who wants to be with you and what he's all about. Maybe you're going to start to invite God into your work. Maybe you're going to take a walk and talk with God. Or maybe you just need to take a step back from that and start with a simple prayer. God, help me be aware of your presence throughout my day. Or God, help me to want to walk with you more than I want anything else. Or maybe even more basic. God, help me to want to want to walk with you. I've been there. And remember, it's less about what we're doing when you are with God, and it's more about being with God whatever you are doing. I'm going to invite the band up to play a song. And I want you to take some time to think about these questions and this invitation of God wanting to be with you and do things with you. Because the coolest thing can happen when we start to walk with God. Not only does our life start to revolve around praising God for who He is, but God invites us to go out and invite others to walk with Him also. And how amazing is that? The God who sent His Son for you, He is longing to be with you, and only thing that keeps us from doing that is us. So, may you take this time to listen, make this time to ponder, and hear what God might have to say to you this morning. from the beginning, you had a a picture and a vision. You were going to create a people who would have the ability and the joy to be with you. They'd be able to communicate and walk and talk with you. And out of that would flow life and joy and goodness. But then we forgot that, God, and we strayed away from that. And so you sent Jesus to bring us back to the beginning. To bring us back to the fact that you, the God who is so big, just wants to be with his kids. And you made a way through Jesus with that. So thank you, Dad. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us and always seeking us and always wanting to bring you back to be with you. As we leave today, God, may we not forget that. May anything that stands in our way from being with you, may we get rid of it. And may we be a light that shows this epic story of you being with us to the world around us.
1: In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.